follow me. Are you two fighting? I'll deal with you later. Look, Steve, I know we both like her, and you're angry and embarrassed, but leave her out of it. You think oh. that's what this is about? Shit, Ned, what has that Boldyke been telling you? All right, I'm gonna warn you now. Be a gentleman. What are you doing here? I thought all you interns ran out on me. I want to help you find that shark. God damn it. Thank you, intern. You're getting an A. His name's Nico. Who? Hello, Vikram. Give me that camera. You're going to smash it over your head. Cut! I misread you, man. I'm going to have to rethink some shit. You don't know me. You never wanted to know me. I'm just a character in your film. It's a documentary. It's all really happening. Well, damn you for that. Go to bed, you sons of bitches. Welcome to Flyby Films. Once or twice a month, using the magic of distance-defying tubes or some shit like that, we get together to discuss films that either have been or will be forgotten. Well, you can toss out that term, films, on today's episode. I'm Blake Collier, and sitting next to me in this tiny little box, it's a black box. Kind of like on an airplane that's going to crash. It kind of sums up our podcast quite well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is my friend and co-host, Jameson Barsodi. On this episode, we are going to talk about, not a film, but three episodes of a TV show called How To with John Wilson. Is that right? Is it John Wilson? Yes, it's John Wilson. Ed Blake, it's... Uh, let me it's add something random about films. this. Okay, yeah. Let me add okay. something random about this. Okay. Because that's what the, the intro sheet says. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, can't just be, you know, cock blocking me here. <laughs> uh, what is something around? These are. These are interesting short films. We'll put it. We'll say that. How about short films? They're like Perfect. novellas for TV. Perfect. It's I like mean, got, it's like they've got a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jameson, uh, yeah, how you been? I'm, I'm fine. I was just, I was just setting expectations for if you were going to let me live down choosing. Uh, I mean, we we don't have to decide that yet. But uh, just try to set expectations, I guess. Um, set what kind of expectations? Well, if you were going to continue to to call them TV shows, which they are, but uh, and they're yeah. in a series, they're in a season, um, yeah. they're in installments in a row. But um, I mean, but as what what is TV? Anderson. do we what want is film do we want to talk about that at the beginning yeah i think we should what, because what, it needs to be like, clarified at this point what is podcast i don't know <laughs> i don't think it's, anyone it's, knows 
no one knows except for us because we are the only ones who understand the the true nature of podcasting, which is just a field recording of people talking. Exactly. Exactly. People try to shine it up. They try to shine it up real nice with good production and shit like that. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter because it's just field recording of people talking. Well, and all the shiny stuff uh, just it, it, causes a risk of it. It, it breaks. Yeah. It breaks your thing. It like your uh, thing. like Zencaster here <laughs> got too yeah. shiny. and Yeah, got uh, too shiny and now it's shit. Now it's shit. Hmm. And that's why we will never, no matter how popular our <laughs> show gets, we will never not be shit. No matter how much our listeners demand us to not be shit, we're going to resist that. Mm-hmm. And that's our promise to you. That's and maybe our one day, maybe one day in our wildest dreams, people will pay us to be shit. I mean, that's the American dream, right? Like the true American dream. I mean, Americans I think they're the... already pretty good at being shit. Yeah. So now we just got to get paid for it. Mother... That's that's true. All right, Blake. Uh, I think <laughs> I think I'm done ad libbing because I don't think I can do any more. Um, how how are you? Or uh... did you ask me that? I don't know. I'm tired. Thurs- it doesn't really matter. Thursdays are long. Yeah. Are long days anymore. for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just film podcasts, doing TV shows, <laughs> TV shows with podcasts on them. What, what is, what is a thing anymore? I really broke your brain with this pick. Didn't I? <laughs> Sheeps lying down with their lions and shit like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now I uh, I've been doing pretty well. I am uh, exactly e ten ten days away from baby number two. Uh, it's been a it's been a long road. Uh, I being the one who has suffered the most during this pregnancy. Uh, need to notate the fact that it's been just really rough. Um, for me and specifically, uh, just my ability to do things. Um, Blake, have you, have you been going into your weekly doctor's appointments to check if your body is breaking down because of how much stress it's been under? Oh yeah. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times, sometimes I go in twice a week just to make sure, you know, I don't, I don't want my dingus falling off or anything like yeah that, so. don't want that that's yeah i mean i think i think you're at of risk course of... i'm just kidding my wife is is easily suffering the most of the two of us and seamus is probably close second because he knows shit's about to go down and he doesn't know how to deal with it because he's only two and a half years old he barely understands his own feelings so... how 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 prepped is he for like a baby brother Oh, he he calls him by a name my wife doesn't like. Uh, well, not she. She's going be, between two names, and she 
likes the fullness of one, but she doesn't like the first name all that much. Mm. And she likes the fullness of the second, but likes the first name a lot more. And so she constantly gets Seamus to try to say the second name. And he always ends up calling it the first name. So you guys are 10 days out and the name mm-hmm. is still, there's a there's, question there's mark. Two, there's there's two, two names. Various versions of them, but two names. Do you want me to disclose this? It's not a secret. I mean, I... It's We can make this a Flyby Films exclusive. Ooh, this is, yeah. Do it. Okay. But we, so. let's, wait, let's take... Okay. Because how Spotify counts listens is if it um, it's at least 60 seconds of airtime. So what I think we should do is we should try to make this as annoying as possible and extend it out and then have you reveal the two names. Why don't uh, we do just like we did that one time when we were talking about that band and we didn't name it until like the last second before the podcast was over. That's a great idea. That Except way people have to listen to the full podcast. Well, no, they're just going to skip to the end. So what we should do is we should reveal it like it somewhere five minutes, five minutes before the end, or some shit like that, and then just or like just hide go it somewhere. On. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. I'm I good like this that. idea. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, at we are any not point... going to give any any idea when it's it's just going to happen it's it's going to happen and and you won't be able to to shift knowing like i give you permission tonight as we're talking Mm -hmm. cut me off at any point and just throw that information all right all right you got it you got it that's how it's going to (laughs) work so yeah that is not uh yes that's how I am. I'm terrified slash excited. Terrified because I don't know what it means to have two kids. Excited because I get, don't have to work for three weeks. <laughs> hey, that... <laughs> I mean, I know, like, whenever you talk to people, they're going to be like, oh, it's not a vacation. It's not a vacation. Okay. I, I get that, but, like, it's it's you're doing work you're doing things but you're also doing things you want to do yeah like work for doesn't people you actually love yeah work doesn't suck because i am bad at it and i'm like feeling you know under tons of pressure and stuff like that all the time it's because i don't actually believe in the like mission statement as wholeheartedly as they expect me to right like and that's the whole that's the whole thing is that you're like i'm I'm pouring this many hours into my job and they you know the 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 illusion is that like you care about this big mission no the mission i care about is my son and my wife and like (laughs) my and getting a paycheck so i'm not on the street outside of that yeah yeah and so when when you're taking like leave for parenting um then 
you're getting to spend all those hours doing that stuff, which as exhausting as it is, is a big morale booster. If you can kind of wrap your head in that way. So, and getting paid for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like that. If, if work could always be like that, like doing what you actually, actually loved not turning what you loved into a business because that's bullshit too. But doing what you actually love for no other reason than to do it and getting paid for it. Oh man, that's some good shit right there. Yeah. Very good shit. True story. And that's why the man will never let us do that. That's why we all got to say fuck capital. Power to the people. Power to the people. (laughs) uh jameson how have you been i i've been all right i was i'm pretty tired right now um thursdays are a long day for you thursdays are long days yeah uh but i've i've been good uh i'm reading going through two books right now uh one of them is the book of strange new things um which weirdly it's that's interesting that you've been reading that one because Weirdly enough, I've been reading the same book. Yeah. Yeah. How 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 does that work out? Uh, uh, synchronicity. Yeah. Ghost yeah. in the Machine. I'm basically just naming police albums at this point. Uh, Roxanne. I know that's not. <laughs> oh, man. That's not an album. I mean, technically, it could be. It could be a 45. If we're talking vinyl. Sure. sure. Single. Yeah. Come on. It's an album. Um, are you enjoying that book? Uh, yes, I am. Oh, nice. Matter of fact, I've been enjoying it more than the last two. Okay, okay. By far. Which, uh, knowing yeah. the commentary that's been happening in that and in, in our Discord chat, uh, that that puts me at odds with a good portion of the people. I think a, f- a few people this week have come out to bat for it. I've read it before. So I'm trying not to talk too much about how I how I feel about it because I don't want to set weird expectations for people. Yeah. But I liked it enough to read it again and agree to read it yeah. again. So uh, yeah, but this time around, I'm actually listening to it. So reading nice. two books right now is maybe a misnomer. But um, the other book oh, I'm reading. Let's not. Let's not. No. Let's not go into that battle. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> whenever that comes up, I like to say, uh, oh, yeah. Well, are you reading it on a Kindle? And then I like to say, well, maybe you're just downloading it with your eyes instead of actually reading it. So, yeah. Uh, I personally you know. like to undress the pages with my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also reading uh, this book called Girdle Escher Bach and Eternal Golden Braid. I've also read this one before, but didn't, um, didn't, didn't we talk about this one last time about how you oh. were uh, you were like Fuck. so pissed off <laughs> at mathematicians for being so far up their own ass uh, about some things, but then like what they get to finally is really freaking cool or some shit. Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess I mentioned it. I don't know. 
I it's I mean, such it a long pretty, book. It's fascinating stuff. I'm, Math is I'm, endlessly fascinating. I just don't know how to do it. I'm gonna bring it up probably throughout the year because it'll take a while for me to read it. We're like a hundred pages in, and it's an eight hundred page book. So and they're like big textbook pages too. It's not. It's, it's really kind of a ridiculous uh, work, but it's decent. Um, that's a stunning review it's decent well i think pages it's worth your time it's decent it's funny because when i when i read it before i didn't know all of this stuff like i hadn't spent years of my life studying mathematics and and learning kind of the history of mathematics and different things so Um, you read this before you went into mathematics uh while while I was kind of on that journey, but Gosh. I wasn't like, you know, a lot of this stuff was new to me. And then um, reading it now, I definitely have a different perspective, specifically on how he's introducing some of these concepts. And I'm mm-hmm. noticing like, oh, it's kind of weird how you are talking about this because, you know, like you're, weird and uh, fascinating or weird and uh, I'm not so sure that actually works. <laughs> well, I want to give him credit because like, you know, this this book, it really brought these ideas to a mainstream audience for the first time, like outside of mm-hmm. outside of math, outside of computer science, outside of all of these like very technical fields. And so he was doing something interesting in that regard and he wanted to be very playful and stuff. But I think he still, he has this like, he's playful, it's fun, but he falls into this trap where mathematicians think that like, there's this sense where everything kind of has the same latent value to it Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't, put anything above anything else um and it causes them to belabor every point so much that they don't really point out kind of the big ideas all the time and he's trying to get to the big ideas but when he when he kind of goes into a lot of things he spends time on a lot of details and and kind of spends too much time and gives you a sense that there's like more value in this idea than there actually is. And I I see that a lot with, with mathematicians. And I mean, he probably would rewrite the book a different way now too, because he wrote it in his, like when he was 32 and he's in his eighties now or seventies, late seventies. So. Oh, so it's a fairly old book too. Yeah. It was like 76. Oh man. Yeah, it's pretty it's it's a it's a classic like whatever that means to you. Um I I recommend it. It's 79. Um I recommend it. It's a hard read if uh it, I mean it's a hard read just because it's so big and bulky, but yeah. um if you're unfamiliar with some of the math stuff, um it might take a little time to like settle in. It's not impossible. Definitely not. Sweet. So. Yeah. So there, are those the two main books you you're reading right now? Yeah, I I have focus issues, so I'm I'm actually I usually just read one book at a time, but I'm 
trying I actually I read some blog post by uh Luke T Harrington who I don't know yeah, if he listens that guy that guy but his his brother is um is a favorite of the show so uh yes I should mention that that listener, first time caller yeah well he's our he's he's been a caller I think we can consider him a caller but um uh because he's been on the show and if you Mm -hmm. haven't watched that episode definitely watch that where we subject him to a movie that he yeah definitely watch it (laughs) what (laughs) yeah watch her smile I mean what even is a podcast what even is a podcast (laughs) what is a film podcast Something you talk about TV on? Do, I don't do know. You, clearly, anything. you do not see things when you listen to podcasts. It's like, what? what what's the thing where you hear noises or you hear sounds and you see colors? Synesthesia. Yeah, that's some bullshit. But it's kind <laughs> of the same thing. I'm just kidding. I don't actually know if it's bullshit or not. I have known a couple people who have claimed well, these- yeah. Yeah, I've known a couple people too. One was a oh. choir director. Oh, church. okay, yeah. Oh, who have synesthesia? Yeah, or cla- claim to? Yeah, claim I don't to. Know. But he also was kind of full of himself, so you never know. Yeah, it could go either way. He's I not mean, I have... this. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Blake, oh, I want to talk to you about this. I just remembered. Uh, you have a connection coming to your church from Chico, California, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you put me on the spot because I cannot remember her name now. Uh, Allie, I don't. Allie Walker? No. Allie. Allie. Is it Allie Wilson? Or am I just thinking of. Uh, yeah, I think you're thinking of John Wilson. I'm going yes. to slide. So someone someone is becoming a, a staff member at my church here in Tulsa, and she has moved here from none other than Chico, California, which is where my dear co-host Jameson Barsotti and his wife and child live. Yeah, Allie Hawkins. He is currently frozen in stasis and so i'm gonna vamp for a little bit until he returns we'll see but yes she's coming here hopefully she will uh bring the good word to us uh you never know you just never know blake yeah Oh, I banged the whole time. I saw you. I think I think I could hear you. And we were still recording, but. Oh, man, this is bringing back good memories of those first few episodes where we had this happen like every single time. I really think it's Zencaster because yeah. we haven't really had this this particular problem mm-hmm. since we've been Skyping. Yeah. But um but did but you I, hear? I got the wild idea to do Zencaster tonight for some god awful reason. Yeah. So here we are. Um. So it's Allie Hawkins. That's Hawkins. Who. 
and uh, yeah, and my wife knows her on Instagram somehow. Um, does she? Does she I mean, know her? Like, no, I don't know. I think she's gonna reach out and be like, "Hey, person, hey, hey, you." <laughs> yeah, that's that's I, that's how I imagine it going. I don't know. You got to be careful about how you address people these days. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was that was cool. No, it is cool. Uh, she served, uh, helped serve the the body and blood of Christ this last weekend. It was her first Sunday back in Tulsa. She was here apparently during beginning of COVID for like a few months. And then mm. COVID caused them to have to move to, Chico, to California. And they ended up in Chico. And now they're back. So, Well, um, I guess we're sorry to lose Allie from such a wonderful city, but uh, we're happy. I mean, I've heard guys. great things about Chico. It's, it's great. It's great. You know, what I, else is great? What? Tulsa. Nah, not so much Oklahoma. But if you're going to live in Oklahoma, might as well be Tulsa. You know, I want to spend more time in Tulsa. Yeah. I really haven't spent that much time in Tulsa. I've spent a couple days with you guys, but uh, yeah, I, two I'd different love... times. Yeah, which are we have a tradition whenever the Barsodis come to the house, uh, we always watch a really shitty movie. Yep, that's a thing. Do you remember any of the movies we've watched? I do. Uh, I believe one is called They Nest. Oh yeah, I fell asleep for that one. Fell asleep during both of them. Shut up. No, I remember (laughs) Tremors Five. It's it's how you watch movies, Jameson. You see completely different films than anyone else. (laughs) But then we saw Scanners Two. Scanners Two. I thought it was Tremors Five. Uh... No, Tremors Five would actually have been good because the Tremors movies are amazing. Yeah. No, Scanners. How shitty they are! They're always amazing. I remembered that it was scanners. I just accidentally called it tremors. Um, yeah, I couldn't remember. Are you sure it was number two or was it number three? I don't think that. I mean, it's possible it's three. I just don't remember there being more than two. I never knew that there was more than one. I didn't know that like someone well, was that's like, why oh, we scan- watched it because yeah. you and I both were like, what? <laughs> We've both seen Adam, scanners. Most people yeah. have seen scanners. But scanners too. <laughs> I don't I just think like scanners, I guess I guess it's true. Like thinking of all of the David Cronenberg movies, scanners really does feel like the one that is best made for sequels oh i would have said history of violence just that's a joke weird <laughs> no uh, but i'm like i'm trying to imagine any other because i was like oh scanners is such a weird choice and it still is a weird choice for yeah. to try part, to make sequels off of 
Cronenberg movies being made into sequels is just generally speaking a bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. Not because Cronenberg is some like absolute brilliant genius, which I like him a lot, but it's just that his movies are so weird. They're like, yeah. You can't, you can't top the first one. Like as far as weirdness goes, you can make it shittier, but you can't make it weirder. Also, I feel like his movies tend to end on either either a note of finality Mm -hmm. or a note of I don't want to spend any more time in this world. Yes, exactly. It's it's one of those. And so (laughs) I really don't feel like any of those lend themselves well to sequels. Let's say I never felt much of anything except for a deep depression after finishing a Cronenberg film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, scanners. But you know is what? Sign of... me up. Sign me up for number two of scanners. <laughs> yeah. Scan you know, scanners is kind of like a an X-Men movie in a weird way. It yeah. you know, you have you have the similar mutant vibe except you know everybody is xavier that's the only power that anyone has um and there's a lot more visceral violence yeah like heads exploding well i feel like there's not that much violence in that movie except for that one scene but it was which if you've heard anything about the making of that scene was a complete clusterfuck trying to get that that seemed to be shot correctly. Well, it was worth it. Yep. Very, very much worth it. How did we start talking about Cronenberg again? Oh, Scanners 2. Scanners, Scanners 2. 2. Yeah. 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 That's what, that, that was the first time we met. Because y'all were going to yeah, Virginia. We going Virginia? to Virginia. Yeah, yes. that's right. I had a moment there where I was like, is that where William and Mary is at? <laughs> Yes. So you're going to Virginia. We watched that one. And then whenever you came back from Virginia, we watched They Nest. We watched They Nest. Yeah. And you had two cats. We brought both those cats. We still have those cats. Yeah. They're good. They're doing really well with Hazel, too, which is awesome. Um, They uh, he's kind of calmed down around them. So he's not like grabbing them a whole bunch and he's kind of bored with them. I'm sure it'll come back when he like gets more mobile. He'll want to beat them up a little bit more. Or scream at them like Seamus does with Atticus. Yeah, but but they've kind of developed a pretty uh, normal relationship and they they love him. They come by him all the time and they're, you know, very curious that there's this other person. So um, it's actually really cute um they're 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 good cats for him so that's an ideal situation yeah i'm gonna hope that continues for y'all yeah (sighs) well should we just get into it i feel like i feel like there's a massive elephant in the room this whole time that we've been (laughs) vamping and it it feels forced i feel like i feel like we just we just got to get it out there. We just got to 
put the elephant on display. Second time, second episode in a row where we cut the BS short, get into it. Okay. I'm down mm-hmm. with that. Okay. All right. Uh, why? Why? Why did you do this? Why? And this, why? Is, this is completely separate from my feelings towards what I watched. Why? <laughs> why? Uh, why did I do this? Well, okay. So let's let's zoom back to to Hazel was like a month old and I was so I had I had purchased a video game that I was going to play while he was like sleeping and I had to kind of be up but then um he would wake up pretty frequently and sometimes we would have to rock and stuff. And so I would look for things to watch and I landed on this documentary series. So this was back in December called how to with John Wilson. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that, um, that it was produced by our, our show favorite. Show favorite friend of the podcast, uh, Nathan Fielder. Mm-hmm. How can I twist friend of the podcast into a truthful statement? Um, no, he's a friend of no. the podcast. Yeah. Oh, he's, oh, yeah. He doesn't have to agree to it. Yeah, it's it's a one way friend. We would we would embrace him. Absolutely. Fully. Uh, so it was, it's produced by Nathan Fielder. And so that piqued my interest and I watched it and, you know, I got to say it's a little off putting at first, right? This, uh, it's like this mixture of, um, of Mr. Rogers, if it was made by Woody Allen. Yes, that's actually um, <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, you know the conceit of of the show is that this guy wants to learn to do something, and um, so he sets it up, and then he wanders around New York trying to answer this question of how you do this thing. So an example with the occasional rabbit hole here and there. Occasional being, uh, meaning constant rabbit holes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, the the you know the questions are always very simple. Like uh, for example, the ones that we're going to be talking about tonight are how to make small talk and how to cook the perfect risotto or Mm -hmm. how to remember your dreams. So they always kind of start uh, similar to that. And then, you know, then it it kind of morphs into a a documentary version of, do you remember that that series uh, called Humans of New York? Yes. Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of morphs into that, but, uh, but he's, he's always, Mm -hmm the one you know 
pushing the show forward. <laughs> he definitely is in control the whole time and uh, for better or worse. But, uh, you know, it's it's very easy to watch. Oh, it's yeah. very soothing and it's good late night stuff. And after you get like he's he's kind of a weird narrator. So, again, think think Woody Allen, like narrating a documentary the whole time and trying to be as soothing as as like a Mr. Rogers and failing miserably at that. Miserably at that. But, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, and and it's off putting at first. But once you get on that wavelength, it's fascinating and it gets in your head. There are moments of this show that have gotten my head and stuck with me. And it's probably one of the best documentaries that I've watched in a while. And I consider it which one. Oh, I mean, just just the show as a project, as as a documentary. Oh, are you saying that the whole show is one documentary? Well, I think these episodes are actually like. So basically what you're telling me is that I didn't actually watch the whole documentary. (laughs) Well, it is finishing like so I guess I didn't know this. That's not helping me, Jameson. You basically set me up for failure here, bud. I didn't want to ask you to watch, you know, six hours of TV. (laughs) I mean, I would have done it. I guess I guess that's true. I mean, I I don't doubt you. I don't doubt that you would have done it. I I chose the three ones that I think are the best of it. Gotcha. And I think they they fit together kind of nicely and um, they are standalone. And I think that creates, you know, I think if you watch those, you'll get a sense of if you want to watch more. And, you know, it works. It works as a a nice feature length. um, About 90 minutes section. Yeah. A little little less than 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. Here's here's a little secret that I didn't tell you uh, going into this. I had watched the first half of Small Talk before, and I had shut it off because I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And I think it was probably late at night, and I was like, I don't have the brain width for this right now. (laughs) And I never went back to it until I got a Discord message from my friend Jameson saying, Here's what I'm going to do for the next movie selection. I'm going to make you watch How to John Wilson. I'm going to make you watch these three episodes. And I was like, well, there goes there goes the neighborhood. There goes it, the neighborhood. Because you said Mr. Rogers. And uh, so... I will say I understand why Nathan Fielder produces. It makes complete sense. Okay. It's 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 
awkward. There's a sense of, uh, there's an authenticity that comes out in a bunch of really inauthentic things, mm-hmm. uh, which is all Nathan Filder does. You know, Nathan for you, the rehearsal, all of it is like a bunch of fakeness. But these really interesting moments of authenticity hidden in the midst of it. And so mm-hmm. uh early seeming authenticity with the rehearsal. Sure. Um and so I can see how he thought it it was of one piece. Um I do not necessarily enjoy watching these. <laughs> okay. But that is not to say that I don't think that they have value because I actually enjoyed what he was trying to do. I just don't like Woody Allen. Sure. Sure. (laughs) And so if he'd had maybe even, even if he'd had a different voice, I think I might've been on more of the wavelength, but man, you are spot on with the Woody Allen comparison because even his voice is just high anxiety the whole time. And oof, it was tough, but I ultimately got something out of it. Yeah, and I, so. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend that bit of the show. And uh, I think going into it, you know, going into it, I don't know if I would tell someone that like, oh, he's, you know, he's kind of got this this annoying drawback. Because it hits you immediately and you're like, oh, is this is this what I signed up for? And then, you know, then you can decide that. But, you yeah. know, obviously, I still think that there's quite, quite a valuable, you know, pearl there, oh, yeah. even even underneath all of that. But and there yes. are truly moments of, of hilarity uh, every so often. Like, well, I, I can't tell you, like, the one that comes to mind right off the bat is is uh, how to do small talk when he goes to the to the, uh, the the resort and he's at the concert yeah. and the security people uh, and it shows the footage of him looking <laughs> looking at all the cameras and they're, like, telling him that he, <laughs> he can't be looking at the cameras during the filming of the M- MTV concert. <laughs> Yeah, so he he finds himself, you know, just so yeah. randomly um, <laughs> at at MTV Spring Break in Cancun, and then you know he embeds himself. He always has his camera on. At least you know that's that's the idea. That's it, that, yeah, that, that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, and so he's he's at this at this show, and um, and the yeah, like Blake said the security cards have to talk to him and say like, you need to stop looking behind you or else we're going to have to move you. And but then it, it wouldn't have been so funny if it hadn't been showing those moments. <laughs> yeah. And then he grabs the, the MTV footage and he highlights himself in that. And you just see him like looking back and you like totally understand how <laughs> off putting it is. So, uh, <laughs> It it is really funny, and this is like one of the things that really strikes me about um, 
you know, about this, this show, which, you know, it, I, I guess we can get into like this later, like what, what rules of documentary is it following to actually be a documentary? Um, but like, uh, there's, there's so much editing at play with that plays with his narration, you know, he'll like be talking about something and then they'll show like a lineup of street signs that are kind of giving similar descriptions of what he's talking about. And, you know, he'll, he'll be talking about more things and you'll see people interacting in that way. And there's such, there's such a good visual humor um, to everything that I just find that delightful. Well, it was good that, that that moment of hilarity happened because that episode really ends on a downer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking That's to true. the dude at the, at the resort about his friend dying and how he had to come out there to, like, deal with it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wow, okay, well... When, and, and and I know what he's doing there. He's like saying that ultimately, on some level, small talk is meaningless. Like it's, you don't actually get to know anyone and, and it just, it's just a thing people do to avoid like intimacy of any sort. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it, it's, it, it's an avoidance technique. More than it's yeah. a a thing that you need to be good at. It's not. It's not actually a good social thing. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he talks about it like a you know. I think he calls it like a social lubricant. Yeah. At one point, you know, and I think as soon as as soon as you just accept that, then you don't need to revel in it. So yeah, I think I think the the metaphor of like mtv's well i guess it's more than a metaphor because he's actually there but you know of of this this basically like festival dedicated to small talk you know Mm -hmm. in a way he talks about it being a a a place where you just have vapid connection and that's Mm -hmm. the idea and And how they are the, the the kings and queens of small talk yeah, they can, they, they can turn it on and shut it off and turn it on and shut it off and and have no consequences from it. Yeah, but then, you know. It's it's so interesting to me because I feel like if someone like John Wilson was coming up to me and just constantly trying to talk to me, I'd be like, you are very strange. Get away yeah. from me. Yeah, exactly. But that's what he that's what he does. And he ends up endearing himself to this this guy. And, and yeah, they have a real heart to heart. And it's pretty awkward, too, because mm-hmm. and it's not just it's not just this guy kind of being a goober, but yeah. it's like John Wilson is also a really awkward interviewer. And he's also kind of lying to get at the non small talk. Like when he talks about his cat dying, his well, cat died or whatever it was. I think he well, his says cat was alive when he was a kid. He's talking about. Oh, his... was he talking about the uh, cat dying when he was a kid? Yeah, he was talking oh. about a, a situation. I mean, I don't know if he's lying. Maybe. Uh, yeah, who knows? 
Yeah. I mean, um, he is, it is produced by Nathan Fielder, so. That's, that's true. And, and, you know, the whole documentary aspect is, you know, you know, the whole like setup is that it's this guy who's collected all this footage and he's putting it together. But even that's, you know, a little bit of a lie. It's a mistruth because he has yeah. a whole team of, he has a whole team of people to grab some of these things too. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, there was a, I read an interview where they talked about that. He's like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't always have all of this footage just lying around. I'm not just, you know, constantly, you know, he does, I think he does kind of constantly have his camera on and out and that's maybe where the idea started, but you don't, you, you don't have, you don't do shit like this and get HBO money without a group of people behind it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) But, um, but it's funny because, uh, I, I thought it was interesting in this interview that I read, he was talking about how his team like, can't like shut off their brain for this stuff because he like sends them out on scavenger hunts. Mm -hmm. Like, find a find a house that looks like a face and so they'll like go and do all of that and they'll film all of these things on on the scavenger hunt and then they can't like switch that off after the show you know is done yeah so they'll like send pictures you know they have these group chats where they do these things and they you know and i i think that's fun um actually uh it reminded me of like when I was in um, in Korea last year, they, you know, where I was, they just had a lot of little like guys painted just little like figures everywhere. And there was almost this animism about, um, you know, different things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fun to do that. You know, you see a tree that looks like something or you know, a scene that's, that's not really there. Um, I love seeing that type of stuff in the world. So. Yeah. So. No. I'm just what? Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to cut me off no. for a second. No. Oh, well, I mean, I did cut you off for a second. Yeah. Uh, was there an episode that you liked I guess more. I mean, his voice is, is throughout. Yeah. So sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think I, I, I wish I'd gotten a chance to watch the dream one again. Cause it's the one I, I remember least of the three. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I think the risotto one is my favorite. Um, just because of this, weird weirdly endearing relationship he has with his quote-unquote landlady which who knows if that's a real thing or not sure like, yeah whatever but um <laughs> i just found it that one had like even though there's that moment wherever she goes to the hospital like outside of that it's probably the happiest of the three as far as from moment to moment there are a couple of scenes where, you know, clearly COVID has entered the picture mm-hmm. and then she goes to the hospital and she's had a stroke. But outside of those things, like 
she's fine by the end of it. Um, he finally just cooks risotto, whether it's good or not, and puts it on the stairway for her, and she takes it. And 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 for those who haven't seen this, like it starts out with the reason why he's wanting to learn how to make the perfect risotto is because it's his landlady's favorite food, and she does so much for him including his laundry, including picking individual pieces of trash out of his trash can so he doesn't have to waste money on plastic bags. Trash bags, yeah. Um, and so he, she once told him that, that her favorite food is risotto. And so he, he's on a search to find how to make the perfect risotto. And he comes to the conclusion it doesn't fucking matter. You just make the risotto before the person dies so they can enjoy it it's pretty yeah what it is and that's that's a good lesson um and did did jameson hear any of that who knows because he froze again zencaster this is probably the last time we'll be using zencaster is he back i'm back ah yes did you hear any of that or all of it I heard um, I didn't realize that you couldn't that I was frozen until you were almost all the way done with describing the episode. So I heard most of it. Beautiful. That's all that matters. Um, I I vamped a little bit after that, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That that episode, how to make a perfect risotto is I, I I like that takeaway that you described, which yeah. is just like, yeah, y- you know, you can practice and you can, you know, you could try to perfect your technique. You could watch, you know, videos of, of famous chef. Yeah. Yeah. All you want, but, um, but you just got to make risotto and that's, you know, that's what people want to do. They want to share meals yeah. with you. They, they like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that episode is just great. You know, it's like a, uh, he perfect place, perfect time type situation where, mm-hmm. you know, where there's twists and turns that he couldn't have planned on. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it turns literally. out literally, literally couldn't have planned couldn't have planned (laughs) um but i i do really love the dream one um because i and if you talk about it more it might it might jog my memory a little bit yeah yeah so i think that one gets to a really beautiful place with um the avatar group yes that's right yes so so this this episode starts out with him trying to figure out how to remember his dreams. And um, and then um, he talks to people about this. He, you know, kind of tries to do a dream journal. And gets then he in trouble with his girlfriend. It gets him in trouble with his girlfriend because he writes down a dream that he had about an ex and she sees it. And, um, and then, um, but he thinks he, you know, comes to this idea that, that dreams are, are these, you know, avatars for us. And, um, and he talks about how 
he's a documentarian and doesn't, you know, like to live in fantasy worlds and things like that. And it actually shows, uh, shows footage of how, I guess when he was younger, one of the things that he would do with his friends is make mock, uh, court cases so they could get on court TV. Um, which I think is really just really funny because that's completely made up. That's a fictionalized thing. But also like, if you think like, Oh, why would you, you know, why would you cross the, you know, we all think of these court dramas or, or court TV as, as truth. Why would you, um, kind of poison the well with you know fake things but they're fake anyway so it's all fake you know so it's actually not doing any harm to make up these stories it's it's reality tv before reality tv was popular yeah yeah and so um so he talks about how he doesn't like the fantasy world and he's never really got it. And so he goes into a comic store to, you know, learn more about it. And he meets these people who are really into James Cameron's avatar comics and, And and, and movie and everything is as goobery as you would think. And it's, you know, it's almost to the point where it's it's cringy at first because, you know, it's a silly movie and this is taking it to another kind of silly extreme. But then he gets invited to a watch party with people and and he goes there and I I have to admit, you know, I'm I'm watching this and I hate the movie Avatar and I'm judging they're having like a, a language session. Like they have like a, a whole session where, where uh, they talk about the language. They, they do, you know, the, the diagrams where they break apart all the words and stuff and they watch the movie. And I'm feeling like, Oh, this is, these people are goobery. And credit where credit's due, John Wilson doesn't, he just keeps filming and he doesn't look away. He doesn't, you know, he interacts with them, but he's not judging them. And they open up to him in an amazing way. And they talk about how, like, this group is just an excuse for friends. Like, and yeah, yeah, they love this movie. They love it more than... I can ever imagine someone loving something, but they're lonely individuals who've found a community and it, Mm -hmm. I think, I think what I was like watching it for a while and I was like, okay, this is something that you can leave on. But it, it was that episode that really like, I was like, Oh, this is cool. This is, this is cool. Like, and I think that that cast everything else in 
in this glow where I'm like, oh, I want to go back and watch these things. There's, there's, you know, there's all these little details. So that one is my favorite episode, but. Um, no, that makes sense. And and now that I have a recollection of the episode better now, um, I was I was waiting for the anchor. There's always an anchor in those episodes. If I can remember the anchor, then I can remember the rest of the episode. But I could not for the life of me think about what the, the anchor was on, on the dream episode until you said Avatar and it boom. Opened it wide open. I still haven't seen the movie Avatar. Because oh, the like first James one? Cameron. No. No. Will not see lucky more than likely. Lucky you. Uh but yeah, I man, I it's 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 so as someone who tends to have a lot of hot takes about stuff that people love, um people never believe me when I say that like I can be vicious towards something and not care if you like it. That's fine. Yeah, if you get enjoyment out of it, wonderful. I don't. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I think it's trash, but <laughs> that shouldn't take away from your enjoyment of it. <laughs> um, I think so, everybody, everybody secretly has like a hope that Blake will like the thing that they like and approve of it. So, yeah, yeah. I wish I was that powerful. I don't really think I have that much uh, prestige in the world. I mean, it'd be cool if I did. I'd probably misuse it. You know, that's that's kind of how it works. But yeah, I I find myself uh, in spaces where I'm like, you know, if you can create a community of people that can open up and in such depth around something that I find to be trash, then it, then it's not without value. Uh, (laughs) and I, I'm not one of those people that says that something I like, I I don't like has no value whatsoever. No, I, I, I just don't get any value out of it. That's what criticism is. (laughs) Ultimately, it's what value you can take from it. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, everyone has their thing. I love Carly Rae Jepsen. Everyone is surprised when they hear that I like Carly Rae Jepsen because it seems so. Uh, it's mainly because I'm anti Swifty, and who better to stick it to Taylor Swift than being a Carly Rae Jepsen fan? Right? Do they? Am I do right? they have a beef? Not really, no. no. But but I I feel like if you're thinking about like pop sensations, you're pretty much dealing with those two. Like as far as like in the world of pop music, there's really not two bigger names. Now clearly Taylor Swift is bigger, who makes more money, but she also she also has one of the most one of the planes that pollutes the most private plane that pollutes the most. And you know what Carly Rae Jepsen does? She's a fucking normie and takes the public airlines. Wow. Hey, Blake, do you really want to start some shit? 
Who yeah, is who is the bigger pop star, Beyonce or Taylor Swift? Beyonce, hands down. <laughs> better pop star, bigger pop star, better singer, better artist, hands down, Beyonce. I I have a Beyonce hot take. Okay. There was I I don't know any I've of these. I got one too. So I don't buy one of your years first. I don't know any of these people. I don't know. Like, I know who they are. But other than like the Shake It Off song, I don't know any other Taylor Swift songs. And people think I'm joking. I don't. I've never heard them. I just have somehow avoided them. Carly Ray Jepsen. It's a similar thing. I know uh, Call Me Maybe. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, Beyonce. I don't know if I know any of her new stuff. I remember uh, Destiny's Child, and I and you know Crazy in Love, Single Ladies, Crazy in Love. I don't know if I know that one. That's where that's the one that has Jay Z featured on it. Come on now, bro. It's Jay Z. Is that is that? I think I know that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But. <laughs> But my my knowledge of these songs is really spotty. And I know, you know, I know Beyonce has this really famous, well-received album called Lemonade. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not here to degrade it, except I did hear one song on it that was played. I don't know. I don't even know where it was played. It was played over like a video or something. And I thought it was a fucking christian worship song (laughs) and i kid that's because it has those moments i kid you not it wasn't any better or any worse i think that's a bad thing i can't understand why anyone would say this person is the greatest songwriter of our generation yeah but you know i guess Maybe she is, but maybe people just don't have very high expectations of what their art should be. So, you know, so. I don't yeah, know. So that's a, that's a good hot take. That's a, that's, that's basically a, a general flattening of a whole genre of music. Hot take. I like it. It, it. it was almost like dropping a bomb and just letting it well destroy it, everything. Yeah. My hot take on Beyonce is that she only had one good album and it was Lemonade. Oh. Well, it's a good album minus whatever song that I listened to because that was terrible. If it's if it's the one I'm thinking about, it's the worst song in the album. Uh it are there more worship songs on the album? No. Not really. No. No, no I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and part of it is that she had like good producers on it, like Jack White. Yeah, Jack White. I think there. I I remember reading but about how Jack White also produced the Insane Clown Posse track. So, aren't they all from Michigan? Detroit. Yeah. So I you know what it, that I don't think I care for insane clown posse 
but that collaboration gets a pass from me. Like I don't oh, need to respect to he Jack White, in my opinion, and I have a high opinion. I've seen him live. He's great. He's a great musician. Uh, my opinion of Jack White is that he's the Christopher Walken of of music production. He just doesn't give a shit. That's good. He's like, you want me to produce your shit? Cool, I'll do it. <laughs> you know who also is like that? Uh, Steve Albini. He's pretty cool. Yeah, but I hate that guy. <laughs> he's such an ass. You know what? He's an ass, but he... He likes what he likes, and I appreciate that about him. Like, do you know do you know who Steve Taylor is? Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's 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 this Christian musician mm-hmm. artist. Um he collaborated with uh Daniel Danielson. Um, okay. Of the Danielson family. Of the Danielson family. And yeah. they had like a a band called Steve Taylor and the am I is this right? Is it Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil? I that sounds name. right. Yeah, Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil. And um, they were just this really weird kind of Christian group. Like the the former lead. That pretty much describes all of Steve Taylor's output. <laughs> yeah, but like. It was such a weird combination of people. It was like Danielson, Steve Taylor, and the drummer was Peter Furler from the Newsboys, who used to be in the Newsboys. And so it was just this strange, strange group of people. And you know what? Their first EP, it rocked. It was good. It was weird. It was punk. And even Steve Albini said that. He's like, I hear thousands of things and this is really good and i was like you know what (laughs) props to you for not getting hung up on like the weird made-up ideas of genre that include like oh this is christian rock and stuff like that uh i feel like you're throwing uh implied shade at pitchfork (laughs) no they are notorious for that bullshit yeah, Pitchfork definitely magnified this, but you know, it it was it was a pretty big thing where if there was a hint of of you were involved in Christian music world, like mm-hmm. your music was automatically lower tier. Yeah. Without good reasons. Like I will say Christian pop music, it's terrible. But I mm-hmm. also think it's terrible for some of the same reasons that I think a lot of pop music is terrible. <laughs> you know, kind of g- giving yep. the the Beyonce and and worship music comparison there. But you know, it was it was it was a pretty big cliche for a while that that yeah. you could just critique something off with with oh these people uh were on tooth and nail records they must be christian so you know or solid state or solid state or yeah or they worked with danielson or 
you know, or whatever. Or they have some tie to Sufjan or. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's criticism is a, is a, is a tricky bitch sometimes. <laughs> like, especially in this day and age where all it's, it's all reactionary. There's no actual criticism involved. It's all just staking your claim and like making sure you don't have any common ground or compromise or any shit like that, which I'm just as guilty. I'm not sure. going to say I'm not. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know how we got on this, but <laughs> we definitely took a left turn at Beyonce. Well, I mean, it feels, uh, it feels yeah. fitting for talking about how to with John Wilson. This is true. We just went into a rabbit hole about uh, how to do criticism. How uh, how to make a podcast, Blake. <laughs> um, so you said you want to talk about the documentary part of this. I mean, I, I guess... I'm okay talking about what we're talking about now, but um, well, you know. I don't think we need to spend the rest of the podcast talking about music and whether or not it's good or bad. Uh, Blake, did you did you do the homework? Uh, no, my dog ate my homework. No, I just completely spaced and forgot about it. But that was partly partly because I was trying to figure out my mic situation. Because anyone who listened to the last episode, uh, which was part of part three of our McDonough Brothers series, so basically no one listened to it. Um, the audio was not the best. Yeah, people seem to hate the McDonough series, but uh, you know what? We're one away. We're <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna fucking finish. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're doing it. Yeah. Um, Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what not fuck you to the listeners fuck you to the not listeners how about that yes. listeners you're great i say fuck you to all of you well no one's listening so that uh <laughs> oh i by, guess that implies by default that's yeah. That, uh, yeah that's smart that's smart it's that's a, clever it's yeah it's clever. i thought so too yeah, it's good. i thought so good. Yeah. um uh yeah. No, I think maybe the mic reason was part of that. So, you know, yeah. things are, but I things feel are like looking that's up. been the case with the other episodes too. Yeah. The McDonough series, uh, hit an interesting lull in our podcast. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, not that, not that I don't think we should get into analytics talk cause that's just going to be a depressing, um, <laughs> depressing episode you know it's we're we're following the john wilson trajectory of uh starting out hot excited getting yep. into the topic and then ending on something uh something kind of depressing no uh yes. <laughs> to bring it back this uh this paper that i said you should read uh for and i completely did not read no it's okay it's actually interesting so i don't know uh Give me the give me the the abstract version of it. Do you want me to read you the abstract? No, I don't want uh, you, I don't want you to read it to me. I want you to give me the abstract version of it. I could send it to you. Um, no, is no, that, is that what you mean? Look it up. 
I know. I just want you to give me your explanation so, of what it's talking about. You want me to write down my explanation, and the next time I see you, you want me to give that to you? I'm I'm just trying to understand, Blake. What, no, what, no, what do no, you I, want me to I do? Need you, I need you to, to speak your truth about this paper into your mic where I can then hear it and understand what this paper is about. So So then I can communicate my own thoughts on said ideas discussed in the paper that you may or may not be accurately telling me about. Ah, okay. So you bring up a, an interesting point about accuracy. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I, I actually, I think the best way to start talking about this, we could just go off the cuff on how you feel, but uh, the, the article is about how documentaries mark themselves out from fiction. So yeah. this okay. distinction between um, documentaries and fiction and and the the article spends a lot of time kind of talking about the history of of documentary specifically the history of documentary as a um as a marker for truth and how we yeah. feel about that and you know we all kind of accept fiction as as made up and whatnot and, and whatever that means and so the question this this paper kind of considers is what's the difference between fiction and documentary and what is the defining feature what are the genre markers and so i guess i want to i want to throw that question to you what do you think you want me to tell you what distinguishes documentary from fiction yeah for you absolutely nothing (laughs) As as genre pieces, though. So oh, here's the genre. here's so, the interesting okay. thing. We all recognize we all recognize a documentary, and we all recognize like a fiction thing. But mm-hmm. what are what are the defining? What's what's the core of what the genre documentary is? I would say that it all depends on the starting point. Go on. The starting the starting point with a documentary is to make a statement, accurate or not, truthful or not, about a supposedly real event, real person, real thing, real idea, whatever you want to say. Like, you're basically uh, filming and creating an essay about something that has happened or will happen or is happening and fiction your starting your point is basically to tell a story that is detached from quote-unquote reality and yet still illumines illuminates elements or themes or qualities of reality okay okay 
So the intent with documentaries is to tell a truthful story that's based in reality. Mm-hmm. Even though it's bullshit. Well, I think... And, wh- and, 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 and you're starting out telling a, a fake, unreal story and still, and yet, illuminating deep human truths through it. Which is also bullshit. But both can be deeply interesting in interesting ways. Yeah. Um, the the moral of, story is all of it is bullshit. <laughs> all, all of it is bullshit. Um, yes. But what I thought, uh, wh- one, of the, one of the things that they um, talk about, or that the author, John Ellis, another John, um, that's a good name john ellis who would have thought yeah john ellis um how to define a documentary with john ellis um yeah, i'd watch it yeah uh would you read it though <laughs> i didn't so yeah no, I, guess I was gonna i was gonna tell i was gonna say you fucking didn't <laughs> you asshole um no uh, <laughs> So, so one of the things in the paper that they kind of set up is that at least for modern documentaries, so there, there was like a break, um, and the, the paper sets it up as a break after, uh, have you ever seen the thin blue line, Errol, Errol Morris? Uh, no, I saw fog of war. Which that I one's all, one also later. Errol Morris. Yeah. Um, and that one's good too. That one came out in like the early 2000s. Uh, Thin I used Blue to be anti documentaries, period. Oh. Oh. We could get into that in a second. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm interested. Uh, I mean, I didn't really like documentaries because I was, I, I, you know, thought they were weird. I couldn't really get on the wavelength. Um, But, uh, but I guess in the eighties, thin blue line really like set things apart. And uh, they used to be mostly uh, kind of uh, seen as observational where, you know, it was, it was showing, it was documenting. Um, I feel like, I feel like original documentaries back before they became like a, "Quote unquote genre mm-hmm. were largely just filmed slice of life pieces." Yeah, yeah, and and I'm sure we can all kind of imagine where that would be ethically strange for yes. some things that you might want to observe, and mm-hmm. and it it talks about some of the early examples where like you know, the, this film crew is watching someone, their subject get brutalized mm-hmm. and, uh, and they don't step it's in. Like, it's like that documentary about the Rolling Stones concert and the guy gets killed. Oh yeah. I don't uh, know this one. Oh man. I may have to look this up, but, Ooh. but like it, the part of the, the ethics of the movie is dealing with what, what does it mean to document the mm-hmm. death of a person, even if that's not why you're there. 
yeah but it happens and so like and yet you still choose to allow it to be a part of this document you're making yeah yeah and so so uh he talks about how um in the current documentary genre setup um it's based more on showcasing evidence for a specific thing rather than trying to be an observer so you kind of make this case and in particular um one of the markers of it is actually is the filmmaker kind of a character in the film itself and um and a lot of times documentaries are even dramatized as a filmmaker's quest for knowledge which was it is a direct line from this and i thought that was particularly um on point with john wilson's whole setup and that's that's his whole thing is a quest for knowledge every episode Mm -hmm. is explicitly a quest for knowledge you know in in a very very succinct way you know how to but at the same time like is it like yeah yeah because he takes so many rabbit holes that you're like i don't actually think that's what he's trying to do uh part of me thinks that there's actually like yes he's starting from like a he's just from a subject matter stance he's saying i want to explore this yeah how to make the perfect risotto or how to remember my dreams but whenever he gets into it he's like well fuck that's not all that interesting let's go on these different routes and see what we can find (laughs) yeah i mean if you watch enough of these you start to kind of realize like okay there's a bigger bigger question and i think one of the most clarified ones actually so he recently started the third season and final season so he's finishing it up which i actually think is is a very commendable thing like okay yeah. stop you know put a put a, a nice bow on it while it's still fresh yeah. um but there was an episode on um how to find a bathroom in new york city and uh, a public restroom and he talks about how um, how much of a struggle it is right now in New York to do that. But then it morphs into how modern like plumbing is kind of a taken for granted. And we all mm-hmm. have these, you know, expectations that everything is going to run. And then he starts interviewing people off the grid and he starts like talking about people's fears that like an atomic bomb is going to happen and take everyone out. And then he starts, he finds these people who have bunkers. And Mm -hmm. so it starts with, you know, public restrooms and then turns into our fear of society collapsing around us and our fear of, all of the nice things that we use and being completely useless because I can't even relieve myself in public like and know how to take care of that basic necessity. Like I don't know what to do when I poop and I'm not by a toilet. 
you know exactly i don't know what the normal thing to do is so so he's always he's always kind of um and i have i have pooped in public before or not public not public um when i was a kid probably um when i had pooped in the pool one time when i was a kid um but I've, I've pooped on runs before. Uh, that that definitely oh, yeah. has happened. Yeah. I've gotten close a couple of times. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, fest. This this week, the, the um, park that I run in had the doors to the restroom <laughs> locked. And I, I briefly considered pooping outside of them. So uh, I, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I I clenched and ran, and That's I barely made it. But um, but yeah, you know, I I I think we all kind of would would be in the shit, so to speak, if those basics were taken away from us. So yeah, he he always kind of morphs it into this this kind of larger question question with more depth than how to find a public restroom in, in yeah. New York city, you know? No. And I think that's, I think that's the upside to the show, I, regardless of whether or not you can, you can take his kind of personality and his, his uh, vocal stylings and things like that. There's, there's something truly fascinating about what he's trying to do in each episode. Um, and I, and I commend him for that. Uh, I think I think he, what he's doing is is pretty fascinating. Maybe not as fascinating as Nathan Filder, but I think they're of a similar piece. <laughs> uh, and to to go back, uh, "Give Me Shelter," nineteen seventies, "Give Me Shelter," is that documentary by the Nasals. Uh, I should, yeah, I should watch yeah. that. Um. Yeah. So Blake, why no. did why were you if no? I'm. I told you I was going to ask this. Uh, why were you against documentaries? Um. That's I. I'm not going to say I was against documentaries. I just largely didn't watch them. I didn't grow up in a family that watched them, uh, and I had no entry into that world. And so I took them in my head. You know how you like imagine food will taste that you've never tried before Mm. and you refuse it because you don't want that imagined flavor to be in your mouth, even if it's not actually true. Like part of that's the same with documentaries. If you're not raised on them or if you're not like exposed to them, you, you're like, oh, I'm just going to be bored the whole time while people tell me a bunch of facts about shit. And I'm I like, definitely, I don't want that. <laughs> I definitely understand. <laughs> yeah, I definitely understand that with documentaries. Um, like I said, it took me a while to kind of come around to that. Yeah. You know what? You I know what documentary ended up uh, <laughs> uh, closing that? Was it, was it a uh, uh, cold case? No, no, it was before that. 
Okay. Funny enough. I was uh, thinking that was, would be too early or too late. To... Yeah, too late. Uh, King of Kong. Oh, yeah. That one's a Which good one. Awesome. I remember I watched that around the same time as I watched The Bridge, which is really fucking depressing. Yeah. Have you seen you that know, one? I haven't seen The Bridge. I remember it. I remember yeah. reading about it. I have seen King of Kong. And I was going to say that would be a good movie for us to watch, except no one's forgotten about it because <laughs> goddamn Billy Mitchell won't let anyone else forget about it. He just keeps... <laughs> showing up in the news and you know making a bigger ass of himself every time so dude's an ass he's like just a straight up ass yeah yeah but yeah Uh, that that is such a fascinating documentary so if you want to get if you want to get really depressed though watch dear zachary i i have almost pulled the trigger so many times to watch that movie because it it's like i wouldn't do it i wouldn't do it right now in the current state of uh your life i would not i would not i've i've read enough about it to like yeah yeah it's it's rough it's rough i went into it knowing nothing and i was freaking sobbing by the end of it oh oh man (laughs) because i didn't know any like, I didn't know how it was going to end. And whenever the final shoe drops, I'm like, what the f- fuck just happened? I don't know about, yeah, I don't know about all the twists and turns, like the whole story. I just know a little bit about the setup and I know yeah. it, it described as depressing and I take yeah. people's word for it. Yeah, I would stay away from it for a bit. Okay. But yeah, I those those are the three that kind of broke the the floodgates open for documentaries as a thing that I could watch and engage with and enjoy. <clears throat> um, but as a historian, I saw through the bullshit. <laughs> I was like, it's not any more truth than fiction is. It's I mean, just it's- about things that people recognize in the real world. That's yeah you're still dealing with a lot of interpretive lenses and creative editing and they're still telling a fictional story they're getting at a point that they want you to get at mm-hmm. to to come along with them it's it's not it's well not, and and not. we're not even getting into uh reality t v which is um, technically documentary, right? Yeah, it's documentary. That, but it's it's documentary in the same way that wrestling is sport, like in the sense that yeah, like, it's a I wink. like that we're winking at you. They're saying yeah, this is a documentary. <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. knows it's bullshit. But people watch it anyways because they're the you know it's 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 basically like soap operas. You get your drama, you get your fix. You watch your stories, as my grandmother used to say. Um, but but what's the biggest difference? I guess why why would someone watch Survivor over General Hospital? 
Well, between those two, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't um, know. But if you were going to pick, like, Fog of War versus Zero Dark Thirty, um, I would say you're going to Fog of War because you want to get at someone else's perspective on a real thing. Or at least a perspective on a real happening or a real thing. Um, Although, that was an interesting choice that I made with Zero Dark Thirty because it's based on real events, but... It's, it's got the glaze of Hollywood dripping off of it. Um, well, you also have, uh, you know, you have actors playing these people. Yeah. Where so there's a detachment. It, it, it's almost like the 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 proscenium of a theater. Yeah. Like there's enough of a uh, detached viewer. Uh, film relationship, whereas documentaries try to break that down a little bit more. Well, yeah, in in documentary, you know, in Fog of War, you have I forget his name, but it's basically this one guy talking with Errol Morris, and mm-hmm. so you know the he's he's playing it up, and he's he's you know definitely reliving the glory days of his life and you know telling it in that that yeah. uh, you know golden shine sort of way um yep. and errol morris is is playing someone who's endlessly fascinated by all of this um so you have you have a, some acting but at least the actors are the same people as the roles in this case, which is kind of interesting. So another question that this brings up, what are our thoughts on dramatization? Because I feel like that almost attempts to bridge the chasm between documentary and film and fiction film. Blake, if you're interested in that question, I've got a really cool paper you could read. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, John Ellis actually talks about that. I'm, I'm forgetting any of the points he makes specifically about that. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of Unsolved Mysteries. Well, it, in that case, actually, that's like flashing through. Uh, he, he makes a case where like uh, he says something about how documentaries don't they make these these equivalencies um and um like uh the showing of a door like opening and someone walking through a door is like equivalent to that happening in the story but you could film it at any point in time and it's not really the same thing but you know we're okay with that and a lot of times these reenact reenactments are trying to do that but sometimes they take liberties right Um, a lot of times they do and unsolved mysteries is a good example of that so yeah yeah which by the way for anyone who's a big unsolved mysteries fan out there like i was back in the day the new uh version of the show on netflix pretty damn good Ooh, completely different 
completely different because it's only one story every every episode, and there is no Robert Stack host. It's all narrated, but good shit. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I think we've talked about it before because there's there's an episode that takes place in Chico. So that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 I remember. Uh, I remember texting you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, Blake, I have I have a concern. What's that? Are we gonna be cut off at two hours? <laughs> yes. Okay. Every time we have I have twenty one minutes. Oh, okay. Every time I left the room, it restarted my clock, so I have no idea where we were. Yeah, we're at twenty one minutes left. Okay. Okay. This was another Which thing. Really about- for our show is perfect. I mean, we really couldn't get much of a better time limit. Now if only they could double that per month and That's- fix their shit. Then we might use Zencaster more. Yeah. We should send this to the CEOs of Zencaster. Yeah, I think so. They would totally listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure we're there. Like, we're one of like those bigger shows that send their demos to the big record labels and expecting them to listen to them. And you know what those fuckers did? They just yeah. Threw in the trash. Yeah. But so ours wouldn't even get that that respect ours would just get thrown on a digital trash can we'd just be thrown on some cloud that no one would ever listen to they would give it and, to chat gpt to listen to that's the worst it would be, yeah, yeah, it really is i mean yeah, let's be honest because that means all of our words are now in the computer and they're using our words to answer other people's questions. This is really the worst fate for everyone. Everyone. Writers, podcasters, musicians, uh, doctors, doctors, lawyers, historians, plumbers, um, electricians, actors. actresses i feel like we pretty much covered the like the full professional like categories there aren't any more professions right at least none that matter yeah definitely and the king of those is plumber let's be honest yeah i mean someone's got to fix the shit yeah i mean that's true or else society collapses exactly uh, so, so Jameson, uh, honestly, there is a world in which I watch more of these. I I want there's enough there's enough interest there to where I might watch some more. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna watch all of them. All right, but there's a world in which I watch more. Well, you're off the hook. I didn't realize that I could have made you watch all of them, and you would have done that. Maybe I would have done that if I can go back. I would have I would have suggested that you watch all of them. But, you know, it's a deal. I mean, with stuff like this, like. It'd be one thing if it was like like six seasons of hour long episodes. 
and there's like 12 episodes in each season mm-hmm. that'd be one thing like let's let's be honest no one's got time for that especially guys with kids yeah can't pull that off not at least in a reasonable amount of time to do a podcast on it <laughs> but i mean six hours I mean, it's helpful. It's helpful that they're so short, too. Yeah. So each episode, and they they feel meatier. I mean, I think that's maybe what I was worried about was, you watch a couple of these. I don't. I. It doesn't feel like a binge show to me. Like you can, but and 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 I think that's part of the reason why I don't remember the dream one as well, or at least it took longer because I watched them all in a row. And I think I probably should have spaced them out, like watched one each night because I think they deserve space and like breathing room. But that would have meant that, uh, that you were going home to John Wilson's voice being your, I mean, if I know I'm getting myself into it, like I, I can deal. Like, I know. I've watched Woody Allen movies before. I don't necessarily like them, but if I get myself in the mind state and prepared for them, they can be enjoyable. There, there are a couple good ones out there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's a, it's a thing. And, um, but you gotta, you do know, the prep work. Yeah. <laughs> for those, uh, for those thinking that comparing, uh, someone to Woody Allen is not flattering. Well, I apologize to John Wilson if that's somehow. Uh, oh, if he thinks that that's a bad comparison, then I, I have lost a little bit of respect for him. Oh, I, I don't mean that. I just I mean, that's a great comparison. As he far as fucking proud of that as, comparison, as, as far as delivery is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what these people are like in person. I don't know if John Wilson is a douchebag. I know that Woody Allen is, but you know. Oh yeah. yeah. So, uh, and we also don't know if Nathan Fielder is a douchebag. I like to believe he's not. I like to believe he's a very good and kind and and nice man. In real life, he's in very life. fun and not at all awkward or. <laughs> There's some line yeah. from Nathan for you where he, he tries to sell himself. Uh, yeah, I don't like to meet my idols, I guess, is is the thing. So yeah. I want them to live perfectly in my mind. Yeah. 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 Except for Nick Cave. I would love to meet Nick Cave because. Oh, but I also feel like he's one of those people that has dealt with effectively with his demons uh and and to people who have effectively dealt with their demons and come out on the other side like intact uh are pretty generally good people <laughs> yeah i think i think nick cave is a saint and you're not gonna i would say so and and especially recently has been fascinating to, to read. So, he's he's his very, very interesting turn towards a more structured religious like practice. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and just delight in the world around him. 
too. Yeah. Just yeah. he, uh, you know, and and just the care that he shows for his fans. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's he really exudes a lot of love. Um, and if you're not familiar, uh, I think Blake and I are alluding to his Red Hand Files website, mm-hmm. which is just such a gem. I need I honestly need to spend more time. I don't think I've read through all of them before, um, but I I've I've wanted to kind of make that like a project where I go through all of the letters and just read them all. Um, it really is. A, it's it's a it's a light in a pretty dark world. Yeah. And and that's like even before, like recently, like, yeah, he's always been very like. And knowing some of the crap he's gone through in his life and losing two sons and various other things like to come out on the other side as hopeful as he has come out is pretty stunning it's it's amazing honestly it's really yeah it's really something anyway uh sorry we're but yes i would i would want to meet him too our our we'll put our boners back uh i would actually you know more than more than meet him i would like to be in a room like in a in a in a empty room with him and a piano and just listen Kind of like the live album that he did. No, Pirate's Prayer. That's such a good album. Yeah, yeah the, the the whatever the 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 most recent live album he did, where it was just him and a piano in that space. Like, they just set up recording the equipment and just let him go. Yeah. No, I forget. Idiot's prayer. Idiot's prayer. Idiot's prayer. Idiot's prayer. Yeah. yeah. So good. So, so good. good. So good. <laughs> that was going to be my next guest. I was like, I don't think it's Pirate's Prayer, but I was looking for the name of it. Yeah. And I was going to guess it. It's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. Yeah. I think that, back. that, yeah, that version of uh, the mercy seat is probably my favorite version. Oh, so, yeah. 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 Um, documentaries i like them yeah cool i just i just yeah i even grudgingly like the show i mean i mean i i hope i hope that i've given you more uh more reasons why it's likable not necessarily why you need to like it or you need to put up with his voice look there's so much shit to watch it doesn't matter but it found a special place in my heart and i appreciate you taking the time to watch these episodes and talk with me about it too i i really do so um so yeah Grudge all you need to. That's yeah. perfectly acceptable, Blake. Owen Ignatius Cornell Collier or Fenton Cornell Collier. So anyways, going back to the uh, the question at hand. Um, 
I don't remember I don't, the question. Oh. I don't think that I'm excited to read this paper if I actually ever get it read. I'm excited to read this paper because I currently am in a state where I don't see a drastic difference like between the two. And so I'm curious to see if he pulls out any actual like thing that might convince me otherwise. And and maybe he doesn't do it. I I actually like I had to like go back through it to try to find some of the details where he tries to kind of set it up as, you know, genre wise, this is what's different. But I actually think he would agree with you that there's not there's not really a truth marker, even though that's like kind of a a thing that we bring to documentaries. Jameson you know. for the third time has frozen. Oh my god. I can't believe this is happening. He's freezing. Again. He's freezing, guys. It's so so cold in there in that little box. That little black box that he's in. Will he come back? Will he join us once again? We'll find out. I'm back. Oh, he's back. I cannot believe this shit. <laughs> I will never use Zencaster again. I know, I know. Oh man. Oh man. I mean, I was talking. I think it was actually record or uh recording me, but oh, yeah. then you started saying how I was frozen, so I I yep. started over. Um I forget where I was at. Um, I was going to say, I think John Ellis would actually agree with you for the most part. He spends a lot of time basically saying that documentary and fiction aren't really that different, at least not from a truth yeah. perspective, which but is from usually a genre perspective. He would say that there's a difference, but that's what he tries to do is he tries to pick apart certain genre aspects. Gotcha. But yeah. So, uh, okay. so yeah, I, I think that. I think you dig it. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you have any other thoughts, Blake? Uh, no. Uh, I guess I guess my parting thoughts would be: don't worry about making the perfect anything. Just fucking do it and share it with people. Yeah. I mean, we've cracked how to make the perfect podcast, right? <laughs> Field recording. Field recording, yeah. Use Zencaster is, is definitely up there in, in the directions. Man, field recording. Yeah, that's... If you want true field recording equipment, go with Zencaster. Yeah. I may just send this to them, knowing <laughs> full well that they're not going to listen to it. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, Blake, you do you, for sure. Okay, I will do me. I'll do my All right. real good. <laughs> All right, Blake. Well, it was good talking to you. Uh, it was good talking to you. I'll see you on the flippy flip. You mean the the? the <laughs> I don't know flip? what I don't know what I I don't know what I mean. Who, who are who are you? <laughs> I don't know. I am ten hours of work, two hours of podcast. <laughs> into my day i feel like you've morphed into a dad all of a sudden i all of a sudden yes there comes a point in every man's life 
It's everyone says it's right when the when the kid the first kid is born. That's not true. You're still you, but somewhere along the way, during that kid's growth, it happens. There's a there's a a switch. You know, we are getting we are getting to the point where uh, Hazel has spent more time outside of Kira's womb than inside of Kira's womb. So. Oh man, that's a special time. Yeah, it's it's uh, an interesting flip. So, in the remaining five minutes, I think you should share uh, your newest tattoo with people. Uh oh, yeah, because people are watching this podcast, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think you need to descri- give the abstract. I'll give the your new tattoo. I'll give the abstract. So um, I don't know Make if people it as are abstracted as possible. Oh yeah, I don't know if people are familiar with uh, the comic Tintin. It's a classic. Or the, or the cartoon. Or the cartoon, yeah. Um, it's a classic that uh, Steven Spielberg eventually made into a movie. Yeah, we don't. Um, we don't talk about that. I've never seen it. I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, it can't be good. <laughs> that's not true. There, there's at least one Spielberg movie that I'm going to make you watch eventually. So Jaws, because I love that movie. It's an after Jaws movie. Shudder, shudder, Blake. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, it's so be AI. Let's be honest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that movie. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll cover it sometime. Okay. Uh, so the uh, where was I? So the comic Tintin. Um, you know he's he's a crudely drawn comic book character, so mm-hmm. it's very simple. Not very many details. So he kind of looks like a baby a little bit. Turns out he doesn't look like just any baby. He looks like my baby. So uh, Hazel, who I've talked about, is <laughs> has a celebrity doppelganger already. And it is Tintin, the comic book character. And Tintin is known for having a dog named Snowy? Question mark. I don't know if I'm getting that right. I think that's but right. That yeah, I right. think that's right. Uh, that's a little like uh, Scottish Terrier-esque yeah. dog. And um, so there there are, you know, various panels, because it's a comic of of Tintin and Scotty kind of running and, and being together. And I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to get a Tintin tattoo and have it be kind of an ode to... Uh, to hazel but instead of having snowy uh use one of my cats and so we used william blake um instead of snowy so uh my sister who's a tattoo artist in town uh drew up uh, a scene of of tintin who looks maybe a little more like a baby has a few extra hazely things um to him and a black cat you know they're kind of running together and so it's it's hazel and and william blake as tintin and snowy beautiful yeah okay i'll see you later all right
Bye.